0: Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Ultimately, we are going to read through all seven verses that we have here at the beginning of 1 Timothy 2. Um, We're we're going to kind of take them in chunks as we go, though. Um, So for right now, I just wanted to share with you um, that, just wanted to share with you um, that, that over the past week, uh, I have been including in my prayers some uh, of a category a little bit different than what normally makes the list. For example, uh, on, on Tuesday, I think it was, I prayed that afternoon that, that God would give President Joe Biden a, a peaceful night of sleep so that he was rested and energized the next day to carry out his office. And then the following day, I I prayed that that God would um, bless the work of the members of the House of Representatives and the Senate so that they would find collaboration, cooperation, and ultimately success in their endeavors, insofar as those endeavors aligned with God's will. And then I prayed also for the young police officer who helped me catch my dog, Crosby. Yes, named after the kicker. After Crosby had escaped for the fourth time in two days, I I prayed that that he would find joy in his work and that he would also be safe in his work. Now, as I said, these are not the normal types of prayers that usually are making my list of, of personal prayers. And I'll be honest, probably the only reason why they made my prayer list this past week is because I was getting ready for this Message from 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to start here um, with the first couple of verses. Now, uh, this is from a a letter, an important letter that was written by an older missionary that you've probably heard of, a guy named Paul, to a younger missionary and pastor named Timothy. And here, in those first verses, Paul says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Now, in this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, um, as as Timothy is uh, now charged with establishing churches and establishing leadership in those churches, Paul gives him an awful, awful lot of directives in this pretty short letter. And yet, in a position of primary importance are these words that we find in the first two verses of chapter 2, right? He says, I I urge you, first of all. Now, we're not going to be zeroing in today on the relationship between Christian and government. We're we're not even going to be focusing specifically on Christians praying for their governing authorities. Rather, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be using these verses as, as almost like a pattern or an example, to launch us into a deeper dive of our topic today, which is prayer. The goal being that each and every one of us would leave here this morning with a deeper and richer prayer life as a result. Now, I already mentioned to you um, that, that, this pray, that this is all about prayer, right? Um, this is an important topic, right? If you go through scripture, if you go through the New Testament, I I haven't counted this out yet, but I would would make a pretty strong wager that among all the Christian disciplines that are commanded in the New Testament, prayer is probably second only below love, right? A lot of commands to love, a lot of commands to pray. Prayer is a very important topic. We see tons of examples of God's people praying in the Bible. We also. Find a lot of commands, right? Now, most of those commands, most of those commands, um, and we're going to look at this a little bit more in a moment, most of those commands to pray maybe don't follow the same line of, uh, of, of prayer, the same um, category of prayer that we normally do, right? Um, but as you're praying, right, as you're engaged in your prayer life, uh, and I'm assuming that you do, right, God says to pray, we pray. And yet, I, I'm guessing, I'm guessing that a lot of you probably, in recent history, in your personal prayer lives, have not really considered this kind of prayer. Like, I'm guessing that it's been quite a while since um, you prayed that God would bless your local civil servants' day. And I, I would also wager that maybe it's been a couple of months since you asked God, or or longer since you asked God that he would give Governor Tony Evers a wise servant's heart. And even though Paul here says that Thanksgiving should be made for these people, it's probably been quite a while since you offered up a prayer of thanks for the work that is going on in Washington, D.C., with our nationally elected leaders there. And the reason why... It probably is nothing, like, truly malicious on your part. It's not that you want our society to to devolve into chaos and anarchy. The reason is probably a lot more simple, as it is for me, I think. Which is that when we spend those quiet moments with God in prayer, those prayers typically take on the flavor of a different category. A category that we might
1: entitle, things I want.
0: Maybe recently you've prayed for your investment to take off. Or for the stock market to turn around so that you have something left in your 401k when you retire. When you're you're younger, younger people, maybe you pray for... um, relationships, that, that you'd find love and, and happiness in, in romance and stuff like that, or maybe even that, that God would a, allow a specific person to see you the way that you see them. Maybe you pray for um, what's what's coming up on your next test, that you would do well on that. As you get older, those prayers start to change. You maybe start to worry about finances a little bit more, and your prayers are probably a lot about, uh, about those things, making ends meet, being able to pay mortgages. And then as you get older still, those prayers change so something else that you want, often maybe about the health of your body or, or the health of somebody close to you, physical health as, as you're starting to deteriorate, maybe it's mental health too, as you've been struggling with the fact that, that you're not able to do so many of those things that you used to love. And, and don't get me wrong here, like there, there's a lot of room in our prayer lives for those kinds of prayers. Right, to, to pray and ask God for the things that we want. In fact, in Philippians 4, verse 6, you are told to present your requests to God in prayer. We saw it in the life of Abraham, too. Right, He, he was coming to God, and he wanted God to, to intervene in a very specific way in very specific circumstances. Right? Why? Because Abraham was worried about somebody that he cared for deeply, Right, his
1: nephew Lot. But if that's the sum total of your prayer lives, praying for what you want, something's
0: off. If your prayers are all about asking God to fulfill your personal desires and to enter your specific circumstances in a specific way that you think is going to make you feel happy and fulfilled or maybe reduce some of your stressors and anxiety, It means that that you're missing a depth and a richness in your prayer life that God really wants you to have. Because far more important than getting what you want, far more important than twisting God's arm in prayer so that His will would align with yours, far more important is
1: what God wants. Far more important is that in our prayers and in our lives, our, will, our wills would
0: be aligned God's will. And that's what brings us to our first main point this morning about focused prayer. Focused prayer asks what God wants.
1: Did you know that if you would look at all of those
0: commands in the Bible concerning prayer, you would, you would learn that shockingly few of them tell you to pray for what you want and to pray for the desires of your heart. Far more of them, vastly more of those commands are about asking God for something specific that he wants. And so we have commands like we, we had there in the, the, the first couple of verses, to pray for our governing authorities. And then elsewhere, you would find that that there are commands perhaps to to pray for the the poor and the oppressed, to pray for justice, to pray that that you would know God better and have a a deeper um, life of faith in him. But I'm going to be honest, this is a tough discipline. And and the reason why it, it can be so difficult is because we do have so many cares and so many concerns going on in our lives. We do have concerns, and they're right in our face. Concerns about health. Concerns about money. Some of you are are wrestling with with strained relationships, or or maybe are depressed because you've got a lack of close relationships in your life right now. And so that can make it difficult, right? When, When you come to those quiet times with God, then, those issues in your life that are the loudest are the ones that tend to receive the lion's share of your time and prayer.
1: And perhaps you do feel
0: like God maybe needs a few reminders to step in and intervene. Maybe, maybe you feel like God needs a reminder. God needs to be reminded about what's actually best for you. That, that maybe he's forgotten or maybe he's gotten distracted with these other things that he has going on. And that's why as we seek to have a a more focused life of prayer, focusing not on just what we want, but focusing on what God wants, there is something that is is critically important for us to remember about who God is. And we're going to find that as we move on in our verses. We'll take a look just for the sake of flow and context at these first couple verses again. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Now moving on, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom
1: for all people. I've got a friend
0: uh, who's really struggling pretty deeply with some things right now in his life of faith. Um, He seems fairly convinced that what God wants for him is for his life to be filled with pain and suffering and evil. And he doesn't seem able to be able to shake that.
1: But I would not be at all surprised
0: to hear that some of you have felt that way perhaps in the past. I wouldn't even be surprised to hear that some of you are kind of struggling with that feeling, that way sitting right here today.
1: And that makes it hard to pray for what God wants. Because you don't necessarily fully trust what God wants. But that's why it's so important take a look at these verses again. What does God want for you, for your life, above all? God desires your salvation.
0: Not that you would just find a few things that you think will make you happy here. And that might make you happy for a couple of days until there's something more that you need to make you happy. Not just taking away some some temporary sources
1: of stress, which are just going to be replaced by more later. What God desires for you is a permanent release
0: from everything that is sorrowful, from every pain that you have, from everything that causes you anxiety and fear. To be rid of sin and guilt and all of the garbage that comes along with it, and not just today, not just for tomorrow, or for the decades of your life that you have here, God desires this for you forever. In fact, God wants this so
1: badly that he was even willing
0: to leave his heavenly throne, to leave that seat of all glory and power and honor where he received the praise of angels and, and, and people, where he received and answered the prayers of people. He left To become a man named Christ
1: Jesus. To walk in this world of sorrow and pain with us. Jesus experienced hunger and thirst and humiliation.
0: In his dedication to keeping the entire law that he himself in glory had written, Jesus then also became a man of prayer. In fact, you'll see tons of examples in the Gospels of Jesus taking hours sometimes to pray. Now, if there were ever anyone who deserved to have his prayers answered with the affirmative, who, who, who truly deserved to have his desires fulfilled, it was Jesus. It was the perfect son who obeyed his father at every single twist and turn of his earthly life in everything that he did, everything that he thought, everything that he said, all the way down to the attitudes of his heart. And yet perhaps his most earnest prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before he was crucified, when he was so filled with anxiety that he was literally sweating drops of blood, that prayer was denied.
1: And it was denied because he had to
0: become your ransom. It was denied because only by his blood and by his death and by his suffering, hell itself,
1: could you be saved.
0: God is that dedicated to you. He is that dedicated to your eternal good and to your salvation. So let me ask you, does it even make any logical sense, much less theological sense, that this very same God who has poured so much into you would now give you
1: anything less than only what is good?
0: Why does focused prayer ask what God wants? Because focused prayer also trusts that what God wants is good. And when we can be sure of this, we see the gritty evidence of this when we, sl- when we see and look at the blood-stained cross of Christ.
1: So is that it? <clears throat> We're all done?
0: Wrap it up? Tie a bow on it? There's actually one more important issue that we need to discuss today before we can wrap up our um, study of prayer. And it actually has to do with what you do once you have wrapped up your prayers. I I just want to follow the thread of thought in these verses again before we go on with the the last few. Um, Paul has told Timothy... To pray for governing authorities so that we can live these we can live in peace essentially, right? And so that in peace we can live lives of godliness and holiness. Because what does God want? He wants people to be saved, he wants them to come to the knowledge of truth about Jesus, their ransom from sin. But then Paul goes on with this. He says, This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose. I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. And a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. There was once an aging Christian woman named Edith, who lived next door to a single mom and her two kids. And one evening as Edith was was talking over the fence with her neighbor, she learned that, that her neighbor had been laid off from her job and was worried because the electric bill was coming due in a couple days' time, and she didn't know how she was going to pay for it. So, being the good Christian woman that she was, Edith, went into her home and she prayed. She prayed that God would allow her neighbor the financial means to pay for her electric bill.
1: Two days later, the lights went out.
0: The next concern was water. Neighbor didn't know if she was, she wasn't able to pay the electric bill. She didn't think she was going to be able to pay the water bill either. So Edith once again prayed, and she prayed that God would, would, would allow her neighbor to find some way to keep the water on.
1: And the water didn't stay on.
0: And Edith watched as the neighbor kids, when they would come outside, started to look dingier and dirtier. Of course, the next big concern was food. How am I going to feed my kids, her neighbor said. So Edith prayed and prayed and prayed so earnestly that, that God would provide food for, for, for her neighbor's kids. But as time went on, she began to notice those kids growing a little bit scrawnier, their clothes looking a little bit baggier hanging around them. And the, final, the final one was the mortgage. Her neighbor said, I've already received two overdue notices from the bank. I think I'm going to get kicked out of my house. So Edith prayed. She prayed harder than she had prayed before. She prayed until a couple days later, she was waving goodbye to those neighbors of hers as they piled into their one remaining possession, their minivan, and, and, and drove away because the bank had posted the foreclosure sign on the front door.
1: What was the problem? Edith prayed! Isn't that what she was supposed to do? Well, yes,
0: but then Edith also missed every opportunity that she had to become God's agent in answer to those very good prayers that she had offered up. And that's what brings us to our our final point this evening, this morning. Sorry, evening was yesterday at Lindale. (laughs) This morning, I'll get used to it, don't worry. Focused prayer also seeks to become an answer to prayer. And we saw that Paul demonstrated this in those verses, didn't he? Right? He understood that God wanted all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. He prays for this, that this might happen. And then Paul went out and he became that great missionary. Right, Paul says he became the herald and the apostle to the Gentiles who did not know the truth and thus did not know their Savior. Now certainly there are plenty of times when we pray for things that largely fall outside our control, right? Let's not, let's not dismiss that fact, right? When you, when you pray that the next hurricane that slams into a poor Caribbean island, that, that, that God would spare life and limb during that, you don't have a lot of power over the results, right? And maybe you've even prayed recently that, that God would bring the, the Ukraine-Russia conflict to a peaceful end. You might have some ability to assist those affected by that conflict, but you don't really have much power to put an end to that conflict. But just because there are some things, many things that lie beyond our control, doesn't give us an excuse to ignore and overlook the many ways that we can become the good answer, God's good answer to the good prayers. That we offer up. And I think that the Lord's Prayer, which we we looked at earlier in that gospel lesson, is a great example of this, right? Because in the Lord's prayer, in the Lord's Prayer, we pray that God's name would be hallowed, that it would be kept holy in our lives and in the lives of other people.
1: Well, then what about the next day? Do you
0: keep God's name holy by speaking to and upholding his truth even? though it's unpopular sometimes, or you dishonor his name by compromising that truth because you know it's going to be unpopular? We pray, God, may your will be done on earth as in heaven. And then every single day, we are faced with different choices and opportunities either to obey what he has commanded or to disobey. We pray that God would forgive us as we forgive other people. So then do you Continue holding on to the long-standing grudge or do you let it go? You see, we do have many opportunities in our lives each and every day to become an answer to those very good prayers that we offer up. I think that we need to look at Jesus again here too. Because yes, Jesus does serve primarily as our Redeemer, He serves primarily as our sole salvation from sin. But but that doesn't negate the fact that Jesus also serves as our great example. That we learn to pick up our crosses by, by seeing how he bears his cross so that we can follow also in his footsteps. And so I want to go to the cross.
1: I want to go to the cross where foul Roman soldiers are
0: driving nails through his hands and his feet. And even as they are in the process of murdering him, what was Jesus' prayer?
1: Father, forgive them.
0: Focused prayer asks what God wants, and Jesus knew that what his father wanted was forgiveness for all people. And so, Jesus asked for what his father wanted. Because even in his hour of pain, unlike anything we can ever imagine, Jesus trusted that what his father wanted was good. And so Jesus became the answer to that very prayer that he offered up. Through his blood, through his death, the sins of those soldiers was paid for. And not just their sins yours and mine and the sins of this entire world.
1: Saved by that blood and now also empowered by that same blood, we pray
0: and we pray and we pray. We pray for the things that we want. We pray for the desires of our heart. More importantly, we pray for the things that God says he wants. That, that our will and that our world would be aligned with him and his will. Because we know that that will is good. So good that he gives us Jesus. So good that he gives us salvation. So good that he gives us everything that we need for everlasting life. So now, like Paul, like Jesus, we also can go out and become God's good answer to those prayers that we offer up. God's agents of godliness and holiness so that through our lives, his name might be glorified among all people. Amen.